Welcome to our podcast, Doing It Right. This podcast reveals authentic stories from successful leaders doing it right. It's about their journey to become a leader, their choices, motivations, and lessons. In essence, how they built successful personal brands. Your host is Valerie Sokolowski, author of eight leadership books and nationally known as an authority on executive presence and personal branding. Let's get started. Here's Valerie. Well, welcome to the show. And as always, we've got a super guest today. I can't wait to get into this. First, I want to thank Betty Ryder of Betty Ryder Boutique. Preston Center, just go through the red door. Incredible designer clothes, all from Europe, handbags, jewelry. Oh my gosh, if you can walk out without buying something, you let me know. All right, you know what? Dave Evans, my guest today, I'm kind of intimidated by him because he is a longtime broadcasting executive who worked more than a decade with Mark Cuban. He's the sports Emmy and Telly award-winning producer, executive producer, and coordinator producer for Fox Sports Southwest, Oklahoma, New Orleans, and was a consultant to the American Airlines Center, guiding their broadcast infrastructure and the design and organizational development for their audio-visual department at the arena. Welcome, Dave. Welcome. Thank you, Valerie. I appreciate you having me on your podcast. You know what? I, I really am. I mean, we just, <laughs> we just met, and here he is, the best of the best as a producer and television person, and I'm interviewing you. How does that feel to you? Uh, it feels fine. I mean, I, 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 I'm very humbled by what you had to say because um, I'm, I'm not all that. <laughs> but, oh, you are and more. But, um, but I, I, you know, I've, had a, I've been fortunate to have an accomplished career. And um, that has really come because I've had the opportunity to work around and with a lot of really talented people. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, there's, there's no way I would be where I am right now without so many other people that have come into my life and, and I've had the opportunity to work with. Who, co who comes to your mind, one or two people that really mentored you or made a difference? Yeah, well, there's been a lot of people that uh, I can kind of point to. And that's a good question because, you know, um, I, I, I hesitate to answer it because I'm going to leave someone out. <laughs> but um, quite honestly, I'll tell you, um, one of the first people that comes to my mind is Mark Cuban. Of course. Um, wow. Because, you know, so I, I went to work for the Dallas Mavericks and at the time Ross Perot Jr. Uh, owned the team mm -hmm. and um, nothing against Ross Perot Jr. He, he was great to work for. Um, but Mark Cuban came in as as this technology guy and as this broadcasting guy and as this, you know, he was wanting to get into that space and in that business. And so he was really pushing the forefront of HD. Uh, when HD was in its infancy. So uh, he gave me the opportunity to really uh, be a part of helping to push that forward. Um, another thing he gave me the opportunity to do is, you know, he, like I said, he's always trying that next new thing. And so uh, a few years ago, back in around 2008, um, there was kind of a trend in the industry where 3D uh, was kind of the new shiny toy. Okay. And this was when the movie Avatar had had come out. So um, at that time, the NBA was experimenting with doing NBA games in 3D. And so Mark decided he wanted to do one of our games 
in 3D. And, and so that was very out there, wasn't it? It was out the there, and I'm telling you, um, so I had the opportunity to produce that broadcast that we ended up doing, mm -hmm. uh, but it was like being a fish out of water. We were having to learn on the fly, and so uh, we were able to bring in, we, we actually at the time, I was at, with the Dallas Mavericks, but we coordinated that with Fox Sports and uh, did a partnership. And, um, and so Fox Sports um, immediately got on the phone with Vince Pace, who had his own 3D company. Well, Vince Pace was the director of 3D photography for the movie Avatar. So um, we hired him to come in, not only as our consultant, but to bring all the equipment in and, uh, and utilize their technology to be able to broadcast this game in 3D. And when I say broadcast, it was really just broadcast to a theater, uh, the Magnolia Theater across town in Dallas. Mm -hmm. And so um, really that's ultimately what we were trying to pull off. And so I had the opportunity to work side by side with this Hollywood cinematographer uh, who was pushing the forefront of 3D. Um, and none of that would have ever happened without working for this crazy billionaire named Mark Cuban. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, that comes to my mind for sure. Isn't that something? So what's Mark Cuban like? <laughs> you worked for him, with him. Yes. How long? So I, I, I a decade and, um, you know, still know him well enough that we, you know, acknowledge each other's presence and say hi when we see each other at the arena. Um, but um, I can tell you that uh, there's two questions I get about Mark. Uh, one is the question you just asked, what's he like? Sure. And I always defer to what Steve Nash, one of the former Maverick players and now the head coach of the Brooklyn Nets, um, he was a guest on Letterman back in 2003. Mm. And Letterman asked him that question. And um, Nash just said, well, he's got two personalities and both of them are ADHD. Well, we can see that. So that's, <laughs> that's really probably the best description I've ever heard. Huh. But when, when people ask what's he like to work for, it's always going to be a handful when you work with what many would call an eccentric billionaire. But I will tell you this, I would rather work for a passionate person who may be difficult to work with mm -hmm. than a complacent nice guy. Because that passionate person is going to take you places and allow you to do things that you never were able to do before. And, and that was the case for me, for sure. Oh my goodness. So other than the one experience that you had, is there any other that maybe had some glitches I mean, I know in doing the podcast, there's, thank goodness it's recorded. I can start over, which normally we don't. But anything funny that's happened in well, the years you worked uh, with him? My goodness, yeah. There's probably, I'm trying to think. <laughs> funny doesn't come to mind necessarily with this one, but I'll go back to that 3D broadcast. Okay. So we literally had made all these plans and got one week away from the broadcast date. Mm -hmm. And we realized that what we were going to do is be, I'm getting into tech talk now, but we were going to be uh, transmitting. So when you tra transmit in 3D, you have to do a right eye and a left eye. Okay. So it's transmitting both in, in, of those signals. And so um, what, we, what we found out is the transmission vendor, you, we, you know, only ever been done via fiber, meaning a, a hard wire line. Mm -hmm. And so um, we had a termination point near the Magnolia Theater, we thought. Oh. And then we found out from the transmission vendor, no, we don't have that termination point. And so there's really not going to be a way to transmit this via fiber to the theater. 
At which point, Vince Pace was about to back out of the whole thing. Oh, no. And I'm sitting here going, okay, what am I going to tell Mark? Because we're this far in the process. And so I got on the phone with the uh, head of technology at the NBA, and um, he was a friend of mine. And um, and we talked through a couple of things, and, and it, it was so funny because he has me on one ear, and then he says, hang on, Dave, I've got Vince Pace in the other ear here. And he's talking back and forth, and ultimately... The NBA had been, had been trying to do 3D games from China. From and the China. only way to be able to do that was going to be do it, doing it via satellite with two satellite trucks, one for right eye, one for left eye. My gosh. Well, it had never been done before. And so Vince was like, no, it, I, I'm putting my name with this. I don't want to. I, I don't know that I want to do that. Well, Steve uh, Helmuth, the head of technology at the, at the NBA, convinced Vince to give it a try. And so Vince goes, okay, we're going to come in, we're going to set all this up, we're going to do it, but we're going to look at it the night before, and if it's not to my satisfaction, we're pulling the plug. So the NBA handled all of the transmission, they brought in the satellite trucks, allowed us a downlink port to the theater, and um, we had set everything up, went over to the theater, me, Steve Helmuth, and Vince Pace are just sitting there watching the, the camera feeds coming from the arena. And I'm so tense. And then Vince goes, I'll be gosh, I think this is going to work. Oh. And so it was a go. And we did it and we pulled it off. And that meant that we were the very, we made history that night. We were the very first to transmit a 3D signal via satellite. Oh, my gosh. And do it Dave. successfully. So. And, you know, I'm picturing you and the team and all that's going on there. And then the audience is just, you know, just watching as if it just happens. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Have no idea. There's a lot of things that go on behind the scenes in, in television, as I'm sure you know, that mm -hmm. nobody has an idea uh, what's happening. You know, I'll tell you, uh, I wasn't at this game, but um, our Mavericks TV crew was doing a game in, in Minnesota one year. I can't even remember what year it was. And I just remember... Um, the producer reporting back to me that uh, the, the truck was a mess. The the engineers were having trouble getting our monitor wall to work. There were all these things going wrong, and, and we were just worn out by the end of the night. Uh, and then we got back to the bus, and the play-by-play -play announcer and the color announcer get on the bus, and they say, oh, that we thought that was pretty good. <laughs> and uh, the, these guys were like, oh, my gosh, you have no idea. Well, that game ended up winning an Emmy. Oh, Dave. So, Isn't that you know, uh, even even though things can be falling apart, it doesn't mean that you can't still bring excellence to the equation. Um, it doesn't have to be perfect while you're doing it, but you have to find a way to get around those obstacles. And I, I read something actually this morning in a devotion, devotional that I was looking at that um, there's really two ways you can respond to obstacles. You can go up or you can go down. I love that. And you, if you go up, it gives you the perspective and, and really the can-do attitude and possibilities to get through it. If you go down, then you're sunk in the mire and you're never going to get past that obstacle. Oh, that's really so wise. There are so many times in all of our lives, I'm sure, that that uh, those tense moments. Mm -hmm. And you know what, Dave, that's when character comes out. Right. That's when character comes out. And that's what the show is about. That's why you're on here. And I'm so glad you are. Tell us, so from that... Now, what are you doing? Well, um, I've recently um, 
made some career changes. Uh, and so um, I'm in the process right now as we uh, record this podcast of uh, leaving what is now Bally Sports, used to be the Fox Sports Regional Networks. And um, I'm becoming the executive production director at uh, Cottonwood Creek Church in Allen. And um, it's a church that I've attended for 24 years. Uh, they approached me, uh, but what they're doing is they um, have built a control room and they're expanding their media operation uh, vastly right now. And we're right in kind of a sweet spot of that expansion. And so um, I was contacted by the executive pastor and they, who, who knew me already and, and knew my credentials and just said, hey, would you have any interest in maybe jumping ship and coming over and helping us to launch what we're trying to launch. And I had to think about it for a little while because it was very unexpected. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a very big change. But um, I have some other things that I'm working on. I have a passion project that I'm working on. And um, this, I, I realized, was kind of God telling me, look, you've been praying for a way to have more time to work on this. And um, this is part of your answer. Go help your church to help launch this, and then that is going to free up some of your time and some of the things that, that you need to be able to uh, focus on this other project that you're working on. So. Unexpected but timely. Unexpected but timely. How sure. often does that happen in yeah. people's lives? So, Dave, I want to know more about the passionate uh, documentary right mm -hmm. idea mm -hmm. that you have because it will happen we will watch it <laughs> so tell us before it is happening what's going to happen all right well we're in the very preliminary stages of production uh we have shot uh, a primary interview but basically the idea and and this isn't a, a new groundbreaking idea by any sense and you know i i watch content like this from time to time but i just don't see this type of content making its way into more mainstream platforms. And, and that is what I would call values-based content. Um, you know, we see a lot of garbage, but we don't always see, you know, a lot of the values-based content is, is, you know, you can call it all sorts of different things. But um, I, I had this thought that just came to my head because I love watching documentaries. And I, I love watching 2020 and 48 hours and 30 for 30 on the sports side of things. And, um, and so I had this thought process of doing um, a docu-series that um, would be kind of in the same vein. I mean, if someone were to start watching it, they may think they're watching a 48 hours or a 2020 or a Dateline. And, um, uh, but then uh, as you go through the story, um, there's all, you know, good storytelling has a before and after and a transformational moment in between. Well, with these stories, that transformational moment is always pointing to Christ. And so that's what we're looking at. Um, it, that's kind of the difference between like 2020 and a 48 hours is this will always point in some way, shape or form, either overtly or more subtly mm -hmm. toward, toward Christ. And, uh, the whole idea is to ultimately have an audience look at the subject matter or subject matters, say, I can relate to them mm -hmm. and there's hope for me. And that's ultimately what we're trying to achieve uh, from it. And so uh, my working title for it right now is Altered. And, Altered. Um, 
Yes. Like lives altered. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So in that transformational moment and that change. And so, um, and part of the thing that kind of gave me the idea was um, there's a guy that I worked with at the Dallas Mavericks and he was in ticket sales. And um, I knew him, um, you know, when you, it's kind of a stereotype, but the ticket sales department at most sports franchises are a lot of young, um, hungry guys and gals from just out of college. You know, it's like they haven't been out of college very long. Uh -huh. So they're usually under 30 and uh, I call them the, the frat boys. <laughs> <laughs> and so this guy was one of the frat boys and uh, he had gone to the University of Michigan. I knew that. And, um, you know, we would talk and he's nice enough guy and everything. But, you know, I, I, I knew just based on what I was seeing that he liked to um, go out and drink and party and have fun and, and, and be a frat boy. So um, that was great. So I leave the Mavericks and then I'm perusing Facebook and uh, I start to notice that this guy is posting um, a lot of Bible verses on Facebook. And then I notice he's not just posting Bible verses, but he's like being very bold about his faith here. And I'm like, that's not the guy I remember hmm. working with. This was so, how far later? No, this was only a couple of years after I left the Mavericks. This would have been around 2011, uh, 2012, somewhere in there. And um, so, well, actually, no, it would have been more like 2000. It was after 2012. That's right, because I left the Mavericks in 2011. And so um, basically, I then see this post and he said, and, and it's him laying in a hospital bed with all these tubes coming out of him. Oh, and he said, uh, this is the one year anniversary of my accident. And then goes into this Bible verse of praise be to the Lord, you know, for rescuing me from my tribulation or whatever. And so um, I was like, OK, there's a story there. So I ended up going to grab coffee with him um, uh, actually a couple of years later. And um, and we. Uh, then more recently got together again and I, I really asked him about his story and and decided that's the story I want to tell first okay. as as a part of the altered series because I know the guy and and I know what his story is and so so that's where that has gone. Do you have any idea how far now it will happen? Well um I've got to get through um the NBA playoffs. And I've got to get through a couple of uh, little hurdles that um, I'm facing in the transition with the new job. But then once we get there, I am I am trying in the next three months to have a proof of concept ready uh, that I can send to people who who, who I'm calling very bluntly um, potential investors uh, because it's going to take money to make these. And we'd like to put together a series of about 10 episodes for a season one. Mm hmm. And so I'm collecting ideas for stories. I'm collecting, um, you know, people are giving me story ideas. And uh, right now we're just in the process of trying to get this first one finished uh, completely into a full episode. And that's going to start with a shorter version of the episode that just kind of shows, you know, potential investors, whether that's through a traditional crowdfunding method or an equity method, whatever. I'm, I'm still looking at a lot of that. Mm -hmm. But... Um, um, as, as we go through that, I really, what I'm trying to do is just put together something that they can see and go, okay, mm -hmm. this is good quality, first of all. 
And second of all, um, there's a story here and I want to find out the rest of it. And so <laughs> if I want to find out the rest, I may need to donate to this. I don't know. So. <laughs> well, when you have an idea that's that deep in one's heart, right. it's usually planted for a reason. So I can't wait to see yeah. See your first episode of that one. Me neither. <laughs> yes. Okay, I've got to ask you some things you about your lessons that you've learned in life. As you know, we call them teachable moments because mm -hmm. if we're not teaching other people the lessons we've learned and maybe they won't have as many scars as we right. do, then that's a good thing. And one of them you said, Dave, is keep your focus. It goes to what you're saying. Keep your focus on progress not perfection. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. How many of us, and, and I think that's important because when leaders talk about excellence and, and people who work in companies are always striving to be perfect often, and the expectations maybe of a company, whether it's your own company or working for someone else. And so you're saying, just focus on progress, not perfection. Tell us about that. Well, um, I, I kind of got that motto, and I can't remember who it was from, but it was in the context of working out. Um, okay. And I had gone uh, into a period uh, back in the early 2000s where I started um, a, a weightlifting regimen um, and just a, an overall kind of physical training regimen and um, and also eating regimen. And... Um, was trying to just get myself back in shape and, you know, um, more healthy. And, um, as I was going through that, I'm like, you know, this is, this is hard, you know, <laughs> obviously. And everyone knows that, you know? And so, um, and someone said to me, they said, well, you're, you're trying to focus too much on being perfect. Oh. And every time you aren't perfect, then you just feel like, well, there's no hope. I'm not going to be able to do this. Mm -hmm. And, Instead, he's like, just focus on prog progress, you know, map out what you're doing every day and, and, and then see where you are and what the results are. You know, the, um, there's an analogy I heard one time about, um, and it's kind of a parable like story. And I don't know, you may have heard this, but, um, there was a, there was a man who, um, God was telling, push this boulder up the hill. And you need to get it in front of this cave. So the guy's pushing, pushing, and he would get it a little ways, and then it would roll back down the hill, and he would get away. And he, he just day after day, week after week, kept pushing on this rock. And then finally he gave up, and he just sat down, and he said, God, you've asked me to push this rock up in front of this cave, and I have failed. I just can't do it. And the Lord said to him, well, actually, I just told you to push the rock. <laughs> I didn't, I'll put it in front of the cave when I'm good and well ready to, but look at how strong you are. Look at the muscles that you have built and look how, you know, you've learned perseverance and all sorts of things. He said, I didn't need you to put the rock in front of the cave. I'll do that. I just wanted you to push the rock. Oh. And that strengthened you. So again, the, the, the whole idea is, you know, um, Yes, results are good, but results are a byproduct of our hard work. And the results are a byproduct of continuing to just one day after the other, put one foot in front of the other, mm -hmm. get out of bed. <laughs> That's hard for a lot of people to do. Mm -hmm. and, and just keep moving forward, even on the bad days. Um, and then when you hit a stumbling block and, or when you're, you know, you, 
seemingly fail. You know, failure is not in falling down. It's in not getting back up. Well said. So. That's wise for all of us. I'm internalizing that. (laughs) You know, Dave, when I first started doing the podcast now four years ago, um, after one or two, there was another, not my wonderful producer, Derek, now, but another young woman. And she came in and she said, uh, Valerie, it was the first podcast. She said, Valerie, are you trying to be a journalist? Came from broadcasting. Uh, what are you trying to do? And I said, oh, that didn't feel real good when you said that. What do you mean? And she said, podcast is just talking and making mistakes is just fine. Mm-hmm. If you drop the pen or whatever, you know, just be real. Yeah. And that's what the whole show is about. Just be real. Right. I'll never forget that. It was a pivot point for me. Now, Speaking of pivot points, mm-hmm. um, didn't you have a pivot point in your childhood and college and whatever? What what was a pivot point for you? Um, well, um, one pivot point, I guess, was when I was still in college, and um, I, I ended up going to Baylor University. And the reason I went to Baylor, I almost went to the University of Oklahoma, and the reason I went to Baylor was that was further away from home because my parents were living in Oklahoma. And it wasn't that I didn't love my parents, but I just felt like, you know, let me, I had a cousin that had gone to Baylor. And so I'm like, I'm going to go down there and, and check things out. I had no idea that there was this guy down there uh, that was the voice of the Baylor Bears named Frank Fallon. And uh, he ended up, uh, very long story short, becoming a mentor of mine. And um, with with the way he handled certain things in my life, you know, I mean, he would, I would go on a job interview right when I graduated and he would tell me to come report back to him about the job interview. And I remember one just went horribly and I reported back to him. And while I was reporting back to him about the horrible experience I had at this job interview, you know, I mean, you don't have enough experience, blah, blah, blah. He's picking up his phone and it was back in the old days of the rotary dial, you know, <laughs> so he's dialing the phone and, and I'm, I'm like, well, that's kind of rude. I'm talking to him here and he's picking up the phone and making a phone call. Uh-huh. Well, he called the guy that I had interviewed with because he knew him. Oh. And he said, yeah, I understand there was a young man named Dave Evans in there just now. Uh, yeah, I, I know. I know he doesn't have any experience, but I think you're making a mistake and not taking a chance on him. You know, And I, that meant so much to me because I knew at that point, okay, I've got support here and I've got, mm-hmm. there was just a certain amount of edification. This guy was hard on us in college. I mean, we would be broadcasting games with him, and I remember I mixed up right field from left field on a play-by-play call of a baseball game, and on the air, he said, well, Dave, we're going to have to find a rock and put it in your pocket so that you can grab that rock and throw it and know you're right from your left. Oh. And, <laughs> oh. But it wasn't in a condescending way. It was in a, in a, in a kind of a funny tongue-in-cheek way, uh, but it was, it was also in a way to kind of keep me accountable and, and teach me and and. Up until the day that Frank died, every time he saw me, he would say, oh, hey, Dave, do you still have that rock in your pocket? (laughs) (laughs) That's a good visual, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah. So that was pivotal, having him in my life. But then also, um, I'd gotten to a point where uh, I took a job at the CBS affiliate in Waco, Texas, and um, I was was working there, um, and long, long story short... um, I got there and all of my coworkers were just like, they don't pay us enough money. We're not, you know, this is a 
horrible experience. They're, you know, we can't make a living. I can make more money flipping at burgers at McDonald's than I can working at this TV station. And so I, I finally got fed up with it. And I just said, then go work at McDonald's. Go flip burgers. I'm going to stay here. I'm going to learn. I know I'm not making a lot of money, but I'm at least going to grow my skill set mm. while I'm here. Mm -hmm. So and I'm going to make the most of it. So long story short, I picked up four particular experiences working at that CBS affiliate as I progressed and advanced very quickly. You know, it was really over about a nine year period of time, but I advanced through the company, but I, I ended up um, directing newscasts and things like that. And that, that made me a supervisor. And, and, and then I ended up becoming the production manager at the TV station. So I, I had picked up management experience. Mm -hmm. uh, I picked up running a facility experience doing that. Um, I was producing some sports programming that was there at the TV station that we had, had garnered um, as a part of our rights with Baylor University. And so um, I picked up a lot of that. And then I was also, uh, there's a lot of industry in Central Texas. And so we decided, this was before their corporate video was such a thing. And so we decided, well, maybe we can be corporate video people for these companies. They may need a marketing video or a training video. So we would go call on M&M Mars, who had a plant there, and say, hey, do you need a training video made? Oh, well, yeah, we might need that. You know, back, now they all have video departments that do yes, that. Yes, they but, do. Um, but back then they didn't. And so I was actually out selling corporate video and doing things like that. Well, when I hit this ceiling in Waco, Texas, and and was about to do something really rash and go start my own business, which I was not, you know, really prepared to do, but I was naive and didn't know that. Mm -hmm. But my wife wasn't naive and she's very wise. And she was like, Dave, whatever you do, don't. Well, she actually didn't say that. She didn't say, don't go start your own company. She said, before you go start your own company, would you at least put your resume update together and then send it to dream jobs all over the place? And I said, okay, I can do that. And so that's when I sent resumes up here to the Dallas area, to every sports team, franchise, TV station, production company, everything that I could think of. And um, uh, at which point we waited about a month, six weeks, hadn't really heard anything positive. And so my wife sat down with me and she said, okay, I want you to be happy in your job. I know that you're miserable, miserable right now. So um, if you need to go out and start your own company, you go ahead and do that. And I knew that killed her inside because mm. she was really feeling called to stay at home with our young children. Mm -hmm. This meant she was going to have to probably take a second job and really support the family mm -hmm. because I was not going to be making any money uh, at first anyway. So um, the very next morning I got to my office and the phone rang at nine o'clock and it was a guy from the Dallas Mavericks. And he said, yeah, I'm sitting here looking at your resume. I'd like for you to come in for an interview. So it was like, oh, Okay. One of those blind resumes did pay off. Oh and so you're sitting in the interview and he, he you know, you go through the interview, it goes well. And then he, he gets to the point where he says, well, do you have any questions for me? And I said, yeah, I have one big question for you. Why am I sitting in front of you? I sent you a blind resume. You don't know me. You've never met me before. This isn't just a position at a high profile organization. This is a high profile position at a high profile organization. So why am I sitting in front of you? And he said, oh, that's easy. You've got. Uh, the, uh, there was four specific things I was looking for, and you're the only resume I've gotten that has all four of those things. Oh, Dave. And one wow. of them was managing people, because you're going to have a staff of people here, and you, I need management experience. Uh, running a facility. At that time, we were at the old Reunion Arena, and there was a production facility called Reunion Production Company. 
that I would also be running in addition, in addition to being the director of broadcasting for the Mavericks. So I need someone who's run a facility. Uh, he said, I need someone who's produced sports programming. And you've done that here at the go. TV station. The fourth one was the kicker. He said, I need someone who, who knows about corporate video. Oh, my goodness. And I'm like going, okay, this is a sports franchise. What does that have to do? And he goes, well, we've got this production facility here, but in our off season, it's not doing anything. And I would like to bring in some other clients to keep the production company busy. And so there it was. All four of those things lined up perfectly on my resume to take my career from here to here. I mean, the dream job just happened, doubled my income instantly. And it was just, you know, and, and I, I look back at that and I go, okay, what, here's where the pivotal moment really was. What if I had listened to my coworkers who yes. were saying, I can make more money going somewhere else. And most of them did. Mm. If I'd listened to them and said, this is for the birds, I'm going to go off and try to make more money. I would probably be selling insurance today or something like that. I don't know what I would be doing. And I never would have gotten to where I am right now. Uh, in my career. Dave, what a wonderful story for you to tell us because I'll speak for myself. There are so many times in life and audience, you just think about those in your life where we listen to other people mm -hmm. and too often think that they have the answers, even if it's to your point, it was a coworker. Mm -hmm. But sometimes it can be someone high up. Oh, yeah. And it can be a family member. And it can be a family member. So you've got to listen to what? I mean, the, the bottom line is, who do you listen to? Yeah. Right? Well, <laughs> and I, I don't know. You know, not everyone listening to your podcast may be a person of faith. I don't know. but And I don't either. For, for me, it's listening to God's voice. Okay. And that's a hard thing to describe to someone who has never experienced it. But um, for me, that's, that's, you know, the bottom line. Um, and, um, you know, it, like in this current situation where I'm in this career change, I mean, when I was first approached about going to the church, I was 80% sure I would probably not take the job. Mm -hmm. And then it was a couple of days later that I finally started calming and listening and praying about it. Mm -hmm. And that's when God was knocking on my head going, Hey, you know that prayer you've been praying for several weeks now, mm -hmm. this is the answer. And I'm like, Oh, <laughs> so. and it's not like there's a voice or anything like right. that. Right. Not, Just sometimes there is, it depends on, I guess I know I've heard people say I heard very clearly, but um, I've not heard that audible voice, but um, there is definitely it's an inexplicable, inexplicable sense that comes over you. Mm -hmm. Hard to that, explain, but I understand. That you know, okay, yeah, this is what I'm supposed to do. And, you know, Dave, situational, because this podcast is, again, something that just, when, when things are supposed to happen, mm -hmm. this is my belief, when things are supposed to happen, and you have the values, and you have a faith, and you just keep doing what you feel is doing it right. That's the name of the show. Mm -hmm. It just has resonated. The name of the show has resonated right. with everyone. We just want to do it right. And then just one step at a time. And right. things will work out. Right. And, and part of doing it right, by the way, is you said when things are supposed to happen, they'll happen. Well, too often people go, this is supposed to happen, so I'm going to sit back and wait for it to happen. Oh. That's not the way this works. No. 
The way this works is this is supposed to happen, so you need to go out and put this, 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 and this together. Yep. Um, follow guidance from God. Um, be ready to pivot and change mm -hmm. because you're going to hit obstacles. But it's it's all at that point about persevering to the point that you make it happen. Because really, any meaningful endeavor ultimately um, should be to serve other people. Mm -hmm. But it's also to strengthen yourself yes. and make yourself better. So. Yes. Which leads me to another another teachable point of view because right? you said, and I loved this, don't, two of them, don't live life to be safe. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. And if your dream doesn't scare you, it's not big enough. I just thought that was awesome. If your dream isn't big enough or if, if your dream doesn't scare you, it's not big enough. Which simply said to me, okay, Valerie, get out of your comfort zone. Mm -hmm. You've got a really good idea. And I do right now, too. So I'm kind of right. talking to myself. Okay. Yeah. But. Oh, dear, those thoughts come, right, Dave? Mm -hmm. Oh, dear, I don't know if I can do it. They're calling it the imposter syndrome, whatever you want to call it. Right. But a little bit of fear or a whole lot of fear and even scare. Mm -hmm. And, well, do I have the, uh, gee, I don't have the money to do it. You don't either yet, but right. you're going to do it. Uh, I don't know, do I have enough time to do it? Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, I've got all these other things going. So, I there's there and there don't live what, life to be safe with what you just said there's always going to be an excuse <laughs> not to ooh, ooh. you know i mean yes. there there just is we can we can come up with excuses all day long and a lot of times we're looking for those excuses as an out to be able to right. okay i need to save face here so i'm going to make an exit plan here whatever and um, sometimes you just really have to ultimately say, okay, because if you don't follow through with it, then it really probably wasn't truly deep down that important to you. That's probably if it's really important to you, advice. you will follow through and you will do you will you will go to the ends of the earth to make it happen and to make it work. And to do it. So audience, did you hear that? You've probably got the dreams that you feel like are something you suppose you're supposed to do. I don't know. I just, based on what we're talking about, it just seems to me that if you've got a dream, don't give it up. Don't let it just fly away. It's implanted in us. You know, mm -hmm. our purpose really, what's my purpose? I don't know my purpose. Well, you'll need to hire me and do branding and I'll help you find it. <laughs> but it's, you've got it. It is within us. We mm -hmm. just have to do it. The other thing that you said, uh, totally different, but I want to go here for a moment. You've won awards. Mm -hmm. You have trophies. Mm -hmm. The other night I was at a beautiful fundraising event and the uh, person that held it in his big corporate office had trophies after trophies after trophies and we went by and we looked at all the trophies and you said trophies leave you empty. And yet a lot of people want to show me their trophies. Right. Well, I would be lying to you if I didn't say that having won those trophies didn't boost my ego. Oh, sure. <laughs> because that's a human nature thing. Absolutely. But 
if if you I think you really have to first look back at to why did I win those trophies? And I'll tell you what, the for for every Emmy Award that I've won, there has been probably ten people behind that mm. that sure. gets has also won Emmys for the same thing, but they also get credit for mine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so um I, you know, to, to, so the first thing I look at in, in terms of that is the thing that I'm most proud of about um, any award that I've won mm-hmm. is the person that was behind it and, and helped me um, because I want to edify them and, and give them all of the due credit mm. <laughs> uh, for what they've, uh, the role that they played in it. But, but secondly, um, it's why did I win it? Uh, you know, it's, there's always got to be a why in everything that we do. And ultimately your why should be a who <laughs> your, your why should be somebody. And, and, in, and in our industry, it's, it's an audience giving the audience something that they need or something that they want. So true. And, um, and, and doing it in a way that, that they enjoy and, and gives them something, um, a bit of pleasure or entertainment or whatever it is, but gives them something. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, if I just pat myself on the back and look at trophies, then that, that, that is empty because that's very two dimensional. Um, ultimately I want to look back and, and, and focus more on how many lives did I change with whatever it was that I did. Which is what a leader, an authentic leader should be saying. Mm-hmm. This has been really uh, very inspirational, Dave, coming from someone of your caliber and expertise. And we're going to have coffee and I'm going to pick <laughs> your brain on a lot of things because I want to be excellence always in what I'm doing too. The, um, the last thing I'll say is that it isn't really that difficult to make progress mm-hmm. if you just say to yourself, whether you believe it or not, I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. Say it 10 times mm-hmm. and then say, I will do this 10 times. Now you may think that's silly audience, but I've used it in my keynote speaking and I won't give you all the details, but when someone believes that, their body strengthens and their body language changes. I can do this. I can do this 10 times in the mirror at yourself. And then I will do this. I will do this 10 times. And there's something about the mojo that pulls up Mm -hmm. and you will. Now with that, where can people contact you? Would you be willing to have them contact you? Sure. And where might that be? Okay, so the best way to contact me is at Dave at DavePEvans.com. Okay, you've got that on the banner. Yes. And he will answer you. So do that. Dave, it's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure, Valerie. I can't wait to go have coffee with you. I can't wait either. (laughs) Looking forward to it. And I have to mention my books. Often I forget about them. I do have these two. I have eight. Can you believe that? That's like giving birth to eight children (laughs) was harder than than giving birth to three children. Anyway, these two are on Amazon. I hope you like them. One is leadership for women. Leadership is leadership. This one is for women. And do it right. 
from which the name of the show came. Now, I want to give you and leave you with my Valerieism. The one I chose for today is, <laughs> it's kind of what we talked about. I never know, but it is what we talked about. Do the difficult thing rather than taking the easy way out. Isn't that interesting? This morning I chose that one. The whole show has been about that. Do the difficult thing rather than taking the easy way out. And this hit me this morning because I'm talking with a young man who is always looking for the easy way out or always looking for somebody, and I'm going to pull my shirt here, that he can tag along with. Well, if I get close to this person, it'll help me. Or this person is going to make me a success. Or I need this person to do what I'm going to do, want to do. Well, what are you doing yourself? You know, you have to start and you have to do it. Sales 101, pick up the phone. It's not easy. It's the difficult thing. But there is nothing that's going to happen with the easy way out. That's my Valerieism for today. And until next time, enjoy the week. Thanks for listening. To receive Valerie's voice, free monthly leadership tips, and to learn more about her leadership programs and coaching, visit her website, ValerieAndCompany.com. Next week, we'll be here again to inspire, engage, and equip you with teachable points of view from successful leaders who have been doing it right. Until then, lead authentically.